Welcome to the Psych Central Show, where each episode presents an in-depth look at issues from the fields of psychology and mental health. With your host, Gabe Howard, and featuring Vincent M. Wales. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Psych Central Show. This week, we have a special guest for you. Dr. Ramani Durvasala is going to be on the show to help us understand why the narcissist seems to always get the girl. Dr. Ramani, how are you? I'm fine, Gabe. How are you? It's so nice to talk with you again. It is nice to talk with you as well. Thank you for agreeing to be on the show. As you know, anything with narcissism and romance is big right now. And you are an expert on, well, at least narcissism. And romance. In fact, I'm, <laughs> I'm the narcissism and romance girl. And so... Yeah, I can answer all of your questions and then some questions you didn't even know you had. Well, that is fantastic. Hopefully we can fit it all into 20 minutes and you can educate us and our audience. So, of course, Vincent M. Wales is on the line with us. How you doing, Vin? Pretty good, thanks. Good Excellent. to meet you, Hi, Dr. Vin. Romani. Hi. Hi, Vin. It's nice to meet you. Thank you. You too. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump in with, you know, in general... It, it's never good to ask broad questions, but I'm just going to ask the broadest one because it's it's what people want to know. Why do girls, or why does the, the narcissist seem to always get the girl? In fact, you know why? I'm going to give you a simple answer and expand on that. Some of it is just good old-fashioned evolution. At the end of the day, the narcissist is like the big peacock with more feathers than all the others. They're grandiose feathers and they're superficial feathers, but they're feathers nonetheless. So they're much better at putting on a show. There's lots of sizzle. There's lots of swagger. They seem really confident. But you also have to remember, when it comes down to partner choice, especially when a person is engaging in mate choice for long-term commitment or marriage, they tend to choose a person they think has lots of resources. And as a rule, narcissists are more financially successful than other groups. I mean, let's face it. When you live in a capitalist economy, the more you're willing to throw people under the bus, the more money you're going to make. And narcissists are always willing to throw people under the bus. So it's a setup to become successful. Successful guys get the girls. And that's really the larger question. That's who gets the girls. Narcissists are more likely to be successful. Ergo, narcissists more often get the girl. And what's interesting is actually in my book, I uh, Should I Stay or Should I Go?, I write about this entire topic and there was actually research done in the United Kingdom on exactly this issue and they actually administered narcissism scales and they examined women who were actually interested in looking for marriage and more often than not, significantly so, the women who were interested in marriage were more likely to pick men who were more narcissistic because they appeared at least on paper to make better husbands. All right, so this, this begs then the important question, what's the long-term sustainability of picking the narcissist? Oh, it's, it's not good. It's not good. And here's the rub. This is where in modern times, again, we're not people sort of grazing the savanna and trying to find the biggest hunter who can kill the biggest wildebeest. That's not necessarily the only metric we're choosing partners on anymore. What ends up happening is that everybody sort of swallows the Disney myth whole. And they really believe that not only are they going to get Prince Charming that's got the castle and the fancy pumpkin coach, but that he's going to be a sweetheart. To which I tell most women, choose column A or column B because you sure as heck aren't going to get both. So I think what ends up happening is at some point, yeah, it's nice to have the big house or it's nice to have all the money. It's nice to have the car. It's nice to get the presents. But the narcissist, as narcissists do, 
are going to get bored with you and they're not going to be listening to you. And there's going to be no sort of, um, there's going to be no cooperation. There's going to be no respect. There's going to be no reciprocity. That stuff, respect, kindness, reciprocity, that's the raw material that makes for a long-term healthy relationship. And what happens is many of these people say, you know what, I'd be willing to give up all this stuff if he would actually pay attention to me or stop lying to me or stop cheating on me or whatever sort of icky thing they're doing. These narcissists are not built for long-term, sustainable, satisfying relationships. They're just not. And that's the part that nobody wants to listen to. They really keep falling for the myth of Prince Charming. It's it's interesting, uh, Dr. Romani. I have a, uh, I have a friend who I just helped get out of a relationship with a, a narcissist. Not an easy process. No, uh, no. Why, why is it so hard for some people to leave those relationships? Vin, that is such a great question, and it's an issue that comes up so often. You, the story your friend had, this idea that you're in a relationship with a narcissist that feels so bad, and yet it's so hard to get out. And one thing that you notice in a relationship with a narcissist is that people are always off balance in those relationships. They feel as though they have to keep proving themselves. A lot of women believe if they're pretty enough, if they're thin enough, if they're successful enough, if they're anything enough, then they can win over the sort of unwinnable narcissist. So it becomes almost like a job or a hobby to chronically be trying to please this person with the real belief that one day you'll win them over. It almost makes it harder to leave, leave in essence because it's something to win. And in addition, and I often call this sort of like the Disney paradox that young girls in particular are kind of given the story that love rescues all, love saves all, that love always wins and that if you just persist that, for example, beauty can win over the beast. And so for that reason, to Vin's point, it's very, very difficult to get out of these relationships because they're often held in place by hope. Hope that there will be a someday better. I can tell you this right now, I wouldn't bet on that horse. There's very unlikely that things will ever get better. They're more likely to get worse, and then you're going to have regret about all the time you wasted. Yeah, that makes perfect sense, and it's very much in keeping with uh, what my friend has gone through. Another Another question that that occurs to me and, and it is how once they've gotten out of that relationship and they do have that kind of self blame that you just mentioned, how do they get through that? That's such, again, Vin's got all the great narcissism romance <laughs> questions today. It's, you know, that's again, another great question. And what we often see in people who finally get themselves out of narcissistic relationships and it's not easy. They'll often get out, go back in, get out, go back in. It'll take almost like four or five times, almost like rehab before it finally takes, is that then it's not unusual to see that people almost have a profile that looks almost like something like PTSD. They're really edgy. They're constantly doubting themselves. They're second-guessing themselves. They feel like time was wasted. They're angry at themselves. That, in some ways, is sort of a normal part of the letting go process, and it's not unusual for people after they leave these relationships to be really, really anxious and leery of getting into another relationship or, and this is even worse, 
they go back to yet another relationship with yet another narcissist. You really have to be well-trained to avoid the same minefields and the same traps again. It's easy to get sucked down there. Again, I often say to people, you almost want to hold out for the opposite of what you had last time, even if it feels boring, because it's more likely to succeed. But again, people who come out of these relationships are often plagued, plagued by self-doubt and second-guessing, and it's not unusual for that pattern to haunt them for months or even years. So here's a question. Would you say that somebody that's in a relationship with a narcissist is the victim of that relationship? You know, I hate the word victim because it often puts the, uh, the person who's experienced this in sort of a subjugated role as though they had no, they have no ability to come back from it. Now, the, that, that term, for example, a lot of narcissistic relationships, it's not unusual for them to get verbally abusive, emotionally abusive, and in, in some cases physically abusive. That definitely feels like victimization. But I think one of the tricky bits about victimization, again, is that sense that you may not have as much ability to change or fix or that you have no way to get out or make it better. I do, though, that said, with that preamble, you often do feel like you are on the receiving end of attacks or severe neglect. It's funny how the narcissistic relationship can either be about a lot of verbal or emotional abuse or at the other extreme, or sometimes it goes back and forth, extreme neglect. It's like you're in the same room as a narcissist and they don't even notice or care that you are there, which is a horrible feeling. It's almost better to be in a room alone than to be in a room with someone who's absolutely unaware or doesn't care about your presence. So victim could fit, but like I said, I often prefer to call people who've been in these relationships and get out survivors of these relationships. Obviously, we, we've talked a lot about women falling for narcissistic men, but, but let's be mm -hmm. fair. There are men that fall for narcissistic women. We, can well, and, and here's another question that society really hasn't agreed upon. Can a woman be a narcissist? Heck yeah. I mean, are you <laughs> kidding me? Um, you know, I think it used to be much more imbalanced because of the way men are socialized. But in this new day and age, it, women are catching up fast. And I cannot tell you how many men I've seen so hurt and so devastated and in fact almost eviscerated by narcissistic women. Narcissistic women are interesting. They tend to have more of sort of a superficial, sometimes almost gold diggery feel, like you can't buy them enough. There's not enough jewelry, there's not enough bags, there's not enough big houses, and as soon as the guy, let's say the guy has has trouble at work or something happens, she will emasculate him, humiliate him. And it is, I mean, men in these situations, they, they feel so degraded because they realize at the end of the day, the only measure of them in that relationship was sort of whatever status or money they brought to that relationship. We tend to see that pattern more. And remember, when it gets to the core of it, and one point I think it's really important for your listeners to know, the core of narcissism or a narcissist is a lack of empathy, grandiosity, entitlement and chronic validation seeking. Great place that manifests, for example, social media. So whether it's a girl or a guy on social media with the whole sort of superficial rants and the photoshopped images and the look at my bag and look at my car and look at my abs. I mean, that tends to be a bit of a canary in the coal mine of narcissism in our modern age. But when you keep in mind that those are the four core pillars of narcissism, there's no reason why they can't be a man or a woman. And in fact, 
because men often don't have as many places to talk about their relationships. They often stick in it a long time, sometimes even longer than women stick in these relationships because for a man being able to prove his worth by buying stuff or sort of taking care of a woman, just like a woman thinks she can win over a guy by being pretty or succeeding or whatever, that you can see how men can get stuck in that rut for a long time and put up with a lot of really, really bad treatment. The, the first question that popped in my mind while you were talking is, okay, so we've established that men can be narcissists, we've established that women can be narcissists, and we've established how this creates problems when one of those people uh, is a narcissist in the relationship. So what happens when two narcissists enter a relationship? You kind of wish that all the narcissists would interbreed and we could get them out of the water supply. Like, that would be the best thing. <laughs> but here's the dark side. Here's the dark side. And you know what I'm going to say next. I love it when narcissists end up with narcissists because then they can sit with their cell phones over dinner and ignore each other and none of the rest of us are getting hurt. The problem is, is when two narcissists reproduce. That's downright tragic because for that child, there is nobody who's minding the store, nobody who's attending to that child, nobody who's giving the child the kind of deep level recognition, validation, mirroring that a child needs. And I have worked with numerous people who were raised by two narcissists, mom and dad, and to tell you the lifelong legacy of what it does to a person is a nightmare. So I think that, yeah, it's great when the two narcissists get together and all we need to do is cross our fingers and hope that they don't reproduce or at least just stick to getting a dog. <laughs> I, I kind of feel bad for the dog all of a sudden. <laughs> I, yeah, I feel bad for the dog. And you know what I've often said? People say, well, what does that mean then? Listen, I've seen dual narcissist couples have kids, but they were very wealthy, so they, they hired really, really good caregivers for their children, the best nannies or whatever, and those nannies would stay with the family for a long time. In those cases, I've actually seen some decent outcomes for the kids. The less contact they had with the parents, the more they had with the caregivers, the paid caregivers, the better off they are. But when you have two narcissists, it really is. It's almost like watching two people engage in parallel play. They're both sort of preening and seeing which one can kind of outdo the other one. It's, it's, it's kind of a tragic scenario, but like I said, where it gets really tragic is when they have kids. I would think too that their focus on the children would mainly just to be have that child be a reflection of themselves. Yes, and also the the child it, it becomes a measure of their achievements. So as mm -hmm. long as the child is shooting hoops or the top in the ballet recital or playing the violin or getting straight A's or being beautiful, as long as that child is channeling whatever the parents view as a metric of success, everything's fine. But none of us are just our achievements. A child wants to be loved for simply being themselves, for the depth of their emotional world, to be comforted on a day they need to be comforted. But when that child learns that he or she is a one-trick pony that's only going to be loved when they do a violin recital, bring home straight A's, or shoot a lot of free throws, that really sets a kid up for the rest of their lives. They only think that the measure of themselves is what they do rather than who they are. And I might be wrong in this, but it seems to me that we're seeing a lot more of this in our society now. There are a lot more children who are being urged to be high achievers. Does that mean that we've got more narcissists out there than we used to? Yeah, if you, if you look at what sort of the prevailing wisdom is, this is a tricky area in psychology because there's almost two camps on this one. There's one group of folks that believe that not only have we incentivized narcissism, in other words, you become more successful because we really are more of a sizzle more than steak culture. Like we want people to be out there. And if you look good and you got a lot of money in the bank, then you must be good. So we are incentivizing a lot of the narcissistic traits. The social media really helps with that, the kind of 
fast exchange of information plays into that. And you're right, Vin. Our over-focus on achievement in children rather than the whole child, the whole emotional, psychological, mental, physical, all the pieces of the child, we're not valuing that anymore. We are valuing grades and achievements and all of that. And so, yes, we are trending in that direction. But some psychologists believe that true pathological narcissism may not be on the rise, that that's a pretty deep that's a pretty deep entity. I don't tend to agree with that. I actually believe that narcissism is on the rise, that we have fewer cultural prohibitions against it. And I think that to the original point of why we even started this you know, chat and this podcast today is that the narcissist always gets the girl. And so more and more narcissists you know, are more likely to be successful getting partners, having kids, creating a whole new generation of narcissists. And when people are being judged by the number of Instagram likes they have, that's a real societal setup. So my vote is that we're probably trending in the direction of far, far more narcissism in our culture. And this, to me, is a psychological storm that is brewing on the horizon. We are going to have, what I think we're going to actually see is a lot more, a lot of psychological problems related to feeling narcissistic because narcissists are so empty. Things like eating disorders, substance use, over shopping, overspending, and a general sense of emptiness that can be experienced as depression. Narcissism is not the end of this road. It can really put out tentacles to a lot of human misery. I, I try to I try to ask questions that are hopeful, but I, I'm afraid that when I ask this next question that somebody's going to hear, somebody that's in a relationship with a narcissist, aha, narcissists can change. But I, I still want to ask, let's say that somebody listening recognizes themselves as a narcissist and they think, holy cow, that's me. And I don't, I don't want to be that person to my significant other. How, how does a narcissist reform themselves? But I want to put the, you know, a great big asterisk that says, you, you know, don't stay in the relationship because Dr. Romani is about to tell you how, how to, ch how to change. Uh, that might not work for you, but I'd still like to cover the topic. Well, let's, let's, I want to take two, have two takes on that question because I think it's a really important one. Number one is remember, Gabe, my book is called, Should I Stay? Or should I go? Going is not the only choice here. And, and for a variety of reasons, people stay in relationships. Money, religion, culture, children, familiarity, love, okay? All of those are valid reasons to stay in a relationship. So as a result, there are some people who will try to find a way to work around it, but you asked a more important question, which is, what about the narcissist? What if he or she's like, ah, that's me? First of all, that level of insight is not something we often see in narcissism, that they even recognize themselves in that. But, but there are some people who argue that there are narcissists out there who can get that big slap in the face experience. Their wife packs up and leaves. Uh, they have multiple tragic losses at once. They go bankrupt and they lose their career. And in the midst of that storm, they can have what uh, one psych psychologist named Dr. Ronningstam called a corrective emotional experience. And that sort of shaking the branches is enough for them to say, I want to work with a really, 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 really skilled therapist and try to get to the bottom of this. I work with a lot of narcissists in therapy and they will have their aha moments. Here's the problem. Under stress and in the day to day, they're often not as likely to hold on to those insights. You can have a little reform, but if you think you're going to come home to Mr. Warm and Fuzzy, it's not going to happen. Can you get a little bit of movement? Maybe inches. 
But with most narcissists, you need miles. It's all relative. Some people may say, hey, a few inches is worth it. And the narcissist may say, I'm going to work on this and I'm going to go to therapy a lot. And you might get a little, it's, it's not, it's not the norm though, Gabe, it's not the norm. And so I think people need to figure out the direction that's right for them and really bring in skilled mental health practitioners who know what this disorder is like and how it behaves. This is not a hole you can dig yourself out of yourself. Okay. So I, I think we're almost out of time here. So let me throw this one out at you. If there's one thing that you could tell the general public about narcissists that they probably don't know, what would that one thing be? Other than the fact that they really can't change, I would say that what you think the narcissist has is confidence is actually emptiness. And I think that a lot of people in our society think confidence is a good thing and that when they see a lot of confidence in a narcissist that that's a good thing. It's not. It's an emptiness. And people who are empty tend to be nasty street fighters. So I'd say to people, when you see someone who's got a lot of bluff and bravado and you've got see someone who's got a lot of that kind of swagger and overconfidence, take a step back and pay attention. As much as that can be alluring, you could be walking into a trap. And interestingly, when you talk to dating coaches, they say, choose someone confident. I'm kind of telling you to choose the rumpled guy in the corner who looks a little shy and keeps looking down at his hands. He may be a better pull. Excellent. Thank you. Dr. Romani, how can we find you? If somebody wants to buy your book, go to your website, give us information so that our listeners can track you down. Yeah, the best place, I, w I would definitely suggest reading my books. That way you can sort of download my brain. And my book is called Should I Stay or Should I Go? Surviving a Relationship with a Narcissist. It's available at Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, and you can also get it at your local bookseller if you ask them to order it. My website is Dr. D-O-C-T-O-R dash Romani, R-A-M-A-N-I dot com. And you can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Romani, D-O-C-T-O-R-R-A-M-A-N-I. And those are all great places to find out what the latest wisdom of Dr. Romani is. But the fact is, this is the issue of our time. And I'm afraid more and more people are going to step into these relationships, and they're very, very hard to get out of. It's a lot of wasted life. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Romani. Uh, for our listeners, what we have learned is that, of course, the narcissist does, in fact, get the girl, but they don't hang on to her. And that is the lesson for today. Dr. Romani, thank you for being on the show. Vin, thank as you. always, thank you for being such a great co-host. And with that, we will see you next week. Bye, everyone. PsychCentral.com is the Internet's oldest and largest independent mental health website. Psych Central is overseen by Dr. John Grohall, a mental health expert and one of the pioneering leaders in online mental health. Our host, Gabe Howard, is a professional speaker, award-winning writer, and mental health advocate. You can find more information on Gabe and his work at GabeHoward.com. Vincent M. Wales is an award-winning speculative fiction novelist and Suicide Prevention Crisis Counselor. You can find more information on Vincent at vincentmwales.com. If you have feedback about the show, please email talkback at psychcentral.com.